be good for all of us is really true. No, no matter the subject that we're studying in Holy Scripture, uh, God's Word is for all of us. And uh, what He has within it is for all of us. Um, and so we all have a need for a greater hope in God. And so I pray that you would be uh, challenged, each one, and inspired to trust Him all the more as a result of our time in the Word this morning. The word hope is a noun. It's a feeling of expectation, a desire uh, for a certain thing to happen. And there's also another layer to it whereby we can hope in a person or a thing to help uh, or to even save someone, have our hope in someone. And I just ask you this morning, as we enter in, what have you been putting your hope into lately? Uh, if it's for anything other than God, it is something that is very fleeting. It is something that is temporary. And therefore, putting your hope in it is very lacking and, and is setting you up to be greatly disappointed. Um, if you don't believe me, then, then consider with me why is it that all the things of the world that we hope in seem to continue to leave us wanting more. I just pray that our time in the Word today would be a great help to you uh, to, to truly and fully put your hope in God above all things. Let's pray together as we go to God's Word. Father, you have ordained this time and these people, each one, to be here today that we could gather to fellowship, to worship you, uh, to consider the truths of your holy scriptures that you have ordained for us, uh, that we would be challenged, um, that we would be inspired, that we would uh, see that which is life in the, in the cross of Christ and the grace of you, our living God, uh, to bring life to what is dead and um, forgiveness to what is guilty, uh, and, and new beginnings to what is lost and damned, uh, that, that life in Christ would, would move us from this place unto the days that you've ordained before us. Um, thankful, Lord, for these people and this opportunity to preach your word this morning, that it would be for your glory and for our good. We pray these things in the mighty name of King Jesus. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 through 6. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Peter here is referring to women, wives, mothers, who he calls holy women. Women who hoped in God. And there is the title for today's Mother's Day sermon. Women who hope in God. I, I preached this text that I just read in its entirety last year, Mother's Day 2018. So I'm not going to do that today. You can listen to that on the podcast on, online. But three quick things I want to point out in this passage as it sends us forward into the study we're going to do today. Number one, these holy women hoped in God. Number two, because they hoped in God, they adorned themselves in a certain way Namely, with a gentle and quiet spirit. Number three, by hoping in God and adorning themselves with this spirit of tranquility, they were joyfully submissive to their husbands 
and honored God in the role that he has designed for them. I'm also not going to spend a lot of time this morning on the God-given role of a wife to joyfully submit to her husband as God has appointed him to be the sacrificial leader of the home. Um, we, We just spent a great amount of time with that very topic this last midweek, Tuesday, Wednesday night, as we're working through marriage. Um, and, and what is marriage according to the word and God's good and high purposes for it. Um, but I do want to take a moment to point out something that shows us how foreign the God-given role for wives and husbands can be in that, did you notice that Sarah calls Abraham, her husband, Lord? A Lord is a ruler. He has the authority Think of the fond and deep affections that we, who are a part of the church, have for our Lord, Jesus Christ. The utter joy it is to serve him and to submit to his will for our lives. It is only our selfishness that makes war with this. While I'm not saying, wives, you need to start referring to your husbands as Lord... I want you to stop and think of why is that funny? Seriously. It, it is very uniquely awkward in our current setting. But it shouldn't be if we have a right and biblical and God-honoring view of the roles of the household. Now, in man's sin, there has been gross abuse of the authority of the leading of the household. That's why we men are desperate for Christ to to save us and sanctify us and mature us unto what he's called us to do, to lead sacrificially. But the same is also for you ladies, that the Lord would do that work in you so that the idea of joyful submission to your husband would not be something that we'd throw off, but something we would lean in and embrace. It is our sin that causes men to not lead in the loving Christ-like way Jesus has called us to. And it is because of your sin, ladies, that fights the joyful role of submitting to your husband as the head of your home. May God be honored as both men and women are saved and sanctified in Christ to fulfill our God-given roles in the home and in the family. Back to the passage, 1 Peter 3, 3-6. through 6. Notice the spirit and demeanor of a woman who hopes in God is distinct from the world and are, is precious in the sight of the Lord. Peter's desire is that these women in his life would follow the example of the holy women of old, that they would win those around them Husbands, friends, kids to Christ by their reverent and Christ-exalting behavior and faithfulness. Today I want to dig deeper into Peter's highlight of the women of old who hoped in God. First, notice the holy women are called women who hoped in God. They have learned to preach to themselves what the psalmist did in Psalm 42, 5-6. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. In this passage, Peter uses Sarah as his example. I want to look closer closer this morning at Sarah's life and testimony. And while we don't have time to cover all of it, my my hope is to cover a good portion of it. Um, We're going to look at her struggles. We're going to look at her victories. And before we turn to the Old Testament to take that tour through Genesis to look at Sarah's testimony, look with me at Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament. In verse 1 of Hebrews, as you turn there, you'll see that faith is defined as the assurance of things hoped for. 
Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. In short, faith is trusting God. That he is who he says he is and that he will do as he has promised in his word. By faith, our hope is in God. Then in verse 11 of Hebrews 11, Sarah is given as an example among the other godly people who had great faith. Hebrews 11, 11, By faith Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Sarah hoped in God. She looked away from herself and the norms of human nature in her barrenness and her age and banked on God for the fulfillment of his promise that she would have a child and be the mother of many nations. This didn't come easy for Sarah. And, she, and it didn't come without real sin and real struggle and real growth in her. And so with that, let's turn to Genesis chapter 11. At the very beginning of your Bible, and find chapter 11. We're going to jump in at verse 29 and 30 for a little bit of table setting. Genesis chapter 11, 29 through 30, verse 29 tells us the name of Abram's wife was Sarai. And in verse 30, Sarai was barren. She had no child. A quick side note for clarity as we read these early parts of Genesis. Sarah's birth name is Sarai. And it was not until God was ready to put his plan for her to have a child into motion that he changed Abram's name to Abraham and Sarai's name to Sarah. And so you will hear me throughout the sermon reference both as we work through the timeline of her story. Not being physically able to conceive children can be a great heartache for married couples who long to have a family of their own blood lineage. For men and women who trust God and have faith in God and hope in God, this can be one of the greatest ways to exercise that faith and to put it on display. When such a central part of life and culture, and yet to take all of those missed expectations and hopes in the temporary, and to put your hope and your faith in God. What an amazing display of that faith at work. I've seen that faith at work among many of you and our own church family, and it is a joy to see. I want to climb into this for a moment because there is a way that we can hope in God or have faith that is based on God's ability to do what we hope for. God's ability to do what we hope for. What is it? Let me me say it this way. Whether it's the hope to conceive a child or for the healing of a loved one, it is not a bad thing in and of itself to hope that God does the good things that we know He can do. God surely is able. Amen? As Jesus said in Matthew 19.26, with God all things are possible. So when we pray, we should trust fully that God is able to do anything according to His perfect will and plan. But our hope in God, our faith in Him, cannot be fixed only to the fact that he can do what we ask for, but it must also be fixed, now get this, on trusting his plan and will 
and timing for what he will do. So our faith at work must go farther than belief that he can do it. It must exercise itself in a way that trusts the situation to him. That our hope is in his ability to fulfill his promises for his people. That he will deliver us and keep us unto himself now and forever. That's the lasting hope we have in God. But that our faith in him means that all that he does with us and through us in the meantime belongs to him. Church, we trust him with it. It is critical that we hope in God and not in the momentary things he is able to give us. Think about your journey with that. And maybe you hear people say, hey, let's go to God with big faith. And that's good, and we should do that. But if what that person means only is that God is able to do this, in other words, that my big faith that I put in him is that he can do the very thing I want him to do, and that's where my prayer or my faith ends, Oh, I'm set up to be disappointed. Should we have faith that he is able to do what he can do? Absolutely. He can do anything. Does the prayer and the longings and the, of your heart trust that? Yes, it should. But it must go farther. Your faith in him, your trust in him, means you're not holding him hostage to wield his power the way we know he can to do it only our way. But you trust that situation to him. That's the right and full extent of our faith, church. Is he able? Yes, and we should pray with the confidence of that. Should the situation be given to him to do according to his perfect will? Yes. And to not go there is to essentially in your heart and mind hold God hostage that he's only good for you if he does what you want him to do. We have to trust him. We hope in God. In this way, the practice of this can be for many of us in different times long. For some, it can be lifelong. In this short life, compared to eternity, some of those things can be lifelong, whereby you are walking in faith in God, even when your circumstances are really hard, and the things for you in this life, things that you hoped would be different. Things that you prayed that God would do, but he hasn't done them the way you hoped. That you're trusting him all the more, as long as you need to. This is where our faith in God, our hope in God, gets to be on big display. I, I pray that you see the greater purpose and more holy aim in your waiting on the Lord and you're hoping in the Lord that many times the reason why he's not giving you that momentary thing is because he wants to use you in the display of your faith and your trust in him to do a work that's eternal among those who are watching you. That your testimony is of greater benefit to his eternal plan in that state and sometimes for a lifetime as we belong to him. It's often far better for God's eternal plan and purpose for our lives in this than receiving the very thing that we hoped would happen sooner than later. Enter in this uniquely faithful couple in the Old Testament that God has big plans for. Look at me at Genesis chapter 12. 
Next chapter, verse 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house into the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is literally one of the most critical moments in all of human history. As God set out before time for a plan of redemption, a covenant of redemption, that would be fulfilled through other covenants he would make. What we just read is the introduction to the covenant that God makes with Abraham. The Abrahamic covenant. Where God chooses one man out of all men to make into a great nation and give that nation a land and bless them and more importantly set the aim of his eternal blessing on his elect that would come from every tribe, tongue, and nation among the earth. The promise was that the Redeemer would come through his lineage and in Christ, God would extend his greatest blessing to all the nations for his people. God had a plan for Abram and Sarai that would affect all of mankind. Skip ahead to Genesis 15 and see the promise and plan for these two unfold. Genesis chapter 15, three three chapters later, starting with verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold... You have given me no offspring. A member of my household will be my heir. Abram and Sarai have ongoingly no child yet of themselves. Even after God promised that he would make of Abram a great nation. That that only can happen if they have kids. So not only did Abram and Sarai have to wait a lifetime. They're very old as we're about to see in a moment to have a son, but they had to keep waiting even after God promised it would be so. Again, see the trusting in the Lord, in His perfect plan, in His will, is how our hope in God is exercised. Our faith in God is played out. Look with me at verse 4 through 6. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. God tells him to look at the stars in the sky, for that would be the number of his offspring. That's a big number. Abram and Sarai waited 15 more years, or no, 15 years between the promise of God and this point, and now 10 more years before this promise would be fulfilled. 25 years. Can you imagine? This is going to happen, and it doesn't happen in a year. It doesn't happen in two. It doesn't happen in five, or 10, or 15, or 20 or 25 years? What does it look like, church, to truly wait on the Lord in real and active faith? Do we have faith for a moment? Faith for a month? Maybe faith for six months? And as we roll into a calendar year, go, what is going on? Or do we trust Him? Do we trust that his perfect will will be done? Let this be another reminder that God's time is not our time. 
For his time is perfect, and our time is sinfully self-serving. See that with me. May we grow to learn to wait on the Lord in great faith. I want you to see the patience, the faith, the hope in God, despite not receiving the child they hoped so long for. Sarah is credited with great faith of being a woman who hoped in God, and she is, as it says says in Hebrews 11 and 1 Peter 3, as we've already seen. See a lifetime whereby this faith and patience was exercised. That said, Sarai was not perfect and therefore still very prone to sin. In Genesis chapter 16, next chapter, we see Sarai get outside of faith and trusting God and in her sinful impatience or self-induced wisdom, this sounded like a good idea, in her head, she devised a plan to fast-track God's plan for there to be an heir of their household under Abram. And she calls Abram to marry and then sleep with her servant, Hagar, so that she could have a child to raise. Not only does this usurp God's declared command for them, it created in her, in Sarai, a great bitterness over the situation towards Hagar. Because Hagar did become pregnant and have a child named Ishmael. Sarai's bitterness was so much that she threw Hagar out and banned her. She sent her packing. Couldn't stand to be around her. Oh, the division and the hurt that our selfish sin produces. May we see our sin, see our impatience for the Lord, see our lack of faith to trust in His perfect plan and timing and repent of it and turn to hope in God again and always. Look with me now at chapter 17, starting with verse 15. Genesis 17, 15. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become Nations, kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Verse 19, God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. It's happening. Abraham is a hundred years old. Sarah, ninety years old. And God says in his providence they will conceive and have a child by natural means of childbirth. Abraham is not the only one who laughed at this news. Look with me at Genesis 18, 
the next chapter, verse 10 through 15. Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of the woman had ceased to be with Sarah. So it wasn't like she had some crazy long-lasting genetics, you know, that her, her timeline was different. No, God in his providence was going to work within the womb, within creation, that he wields ultimate control over to make ready what by normal and natural course had undone, as it is with each woman over her timeline. The way of the woman had ceased to be with Sarah, so Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out, and my Lord is old, she's referring to Abraham there, he's really old. Shall I have pleasure? A genuine question. They're a hundred and ninety. The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, but you did laugh. (laughs) This is phenomenal. First of all, is anything too hard for the Lord? Nothing. Are we people of faith or not? How simple is the mind of man, even when interacting with the one true God who rules and reigns over all things, the one for who nothing is impossible. Church, do you laugh at the impossible, even in the presence of the one true God who is at work in your life? Do you sinfully laugh? Do you sinfully doubt? Or do you trust Him in His perfect will and way? For He is able, more than able. That is where our faith belongs, church. Notice that Sarah tried to deny that she laughed. I won't ask you for a raise of hands for you who relate to this move. Oh, how quick we are to in our sin, to try to save face. We don't want to be caught in our sin or without faith to point where we're often guilty of lying to ourselves or to others to try to cover our sin and save face. May we fight the temptation to sin And confess our sin so that we can turn from it and grow in the Lord. Those are moments, church, when you see that you have dropped your faith on the ground. Instead of lying to cover it up, to to confess it as sin. And to move from that point forward in maturing sanctification, in faith, in repentance. See our misapplication of the gospel in this. To lie about what we've done done in an effort to put a better light on it or for the sake of how we might come off to others, to lie about that is sin. To live like that is to ignore the spiritual cover you have in Christ. Church, Christ is your identity. Those who have trusted Him and are saved and sanctified by Him, Christ is your identity, not your performance apart from Him. So don't lie or live like it's up to you to make others see you in a good light. That is to live outside of the gospel. You are dependent on Christ. 
May our performance never be to us more important, more central to us than the performance of Christ on our behalf. At every moment, may you be utterly dependent for the performance of Christ on your behalf. That you do not get caught up in adding to that or thinking that you have to make your own way in your own performance. Thereby living outside of the gospel. The true faithful of God trust not only in trust not only their life but their identity in Jesus. The Christian has fixed their identity in Christ and his performance, not your own. Thankfully, oh God, thankfully, praise you, Lord, that God's promise is not reliant on our performance to be fulfilled. God fulfills his promise according to his plan, and Sarah gives birth to her son and responds in Genesis chapter 21. One through seven. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he has promised, and Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son, who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, and God had, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. She said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Praise be to God. She waited a lifetime. She weaned in her faith. She doubted. Simply made her own plans. Respond, responded with laughter after hearing the promise of God, but praise the Lord that He is faithful to fulfill His promises even when we sin and are not faithful. Praise God that in His grace, He counts those who are unrighteous, righteous because of Christ through faith that they have put in God alone. See with me that God has redeemed this situation as Sarah's sinful laughter has turned now to joyful laughter. So joyful that she laughs. She's overwhelmed with her joy under laughter because of what the Lord has done. You love those moments. He's just so happy. You just laugh. This is her moment. And it's at the hand of the sovereign God. Look with me back at Peter's words, 1 Peter 3, 3-6. through 6, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Some of you hear the phrase in this passage, holy women, and you are quick to say, well, it's not talking about me. I want you to see with me the very woman being used as Peter's example had her major flaws too. All of us struggle with sin. And even when your faith has fallen on the ground, 
you can repent and return to God in faith and go on to even be an example of one who hopes in God for generations to come. Is this you today? Maybe you have had many seasons in your life whereby you have lived in unwavering faith to God. And then you ran into something that really rocked your faith. Whereby you really gave yourself over to sin. See in Sarah an example of faith, an example of God using us and persevering us even through the shallow waters of our faith unto a life and a testimony that honors Him again. If you have been knocked down, if you have backslidden in sin, may today be the day you confess it as sin repent of it and take up a new path in faith in trusting Jesus and obeying him as Lord. God rebuked Sarah for her laugh, laughter and unbelief and reminded her, is anything too hard for the Lord? Genesis 18, 14. The next thing we hear from Sarah is a word of exaltation to, to God when Isaac is born. She gives God the glory for her child. And so the writer of Hebrews points out that God's rebuke and reminder that nothing is too hard for the Lord helped to restore Sarah's faith and caused her to hope in God again. I pray this is you today. May it be so. That you too were reminded that nothing is too hard for the Lord. And even when it's not the Lord's will to do what you wanted or when you wanted it, He is still worthy of your trust and your faith. It is right that you wait on the Lord, that you hope in God alone. In Sarah, we see that women who hope in God are women who look away from the troubles and misery and obstacles of life that can take their days and and, and make their situations gloomy and make their future look bleak, but instead focus their attention on the sovereign power and love of God who rules in heaven and does on earth whatever He pleases for His glory. A testing question, ladies. Is it God whom you have truly trusted with your life? And do you constantly hold Him up, lean on Him, hope in Him? Or do you hold Him in contempt? Because what you really want, He's not giving you as you think it should be done. When temptation or strife knocks at your door, do you hope and trust in God or something else? Notice with me the end of this 1 Peter 3 passage. Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. See with me, church, that the presence of hope in God drives out fear. Women who have Christ in their lives and live in faith are like daughters of Sarah, her children. The daughters of Sarah fight the anxiety that rises in their hearts and in their circumstances, they wage war on fear and defeat it with the promises of God. They know that following Christ will mean suffering, 
but they believe the promises. Just like later in 1 Peter 3, 14 and 15, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. Holy women who hope in God take this promise of blessing through suffering and they fight fear with the faithfulness of God, with His faithfulness to fulfill His promises. Sarah considered Him faithful who had promised. That's what the author of Hebrews points out in Hebrews 11.11. And they do what Peter says in chapter 4, verse 19, 1 Peter 4.19, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful Creator while doing good. So make it personal for you today. How do you handle setbacks, disappointments, abuses, heartaches, worries, calamities, painful happenings in your life? We need to see the way in which women can suffer or struggle in today's world is truly great. I won't do any of it justice to name some, but but I'll effort to name a few. An oppressive or, or abusive man or person in your life or past. Media that is abusive in its expectations for what you should look like. The the struggle many of you have faced of not being able to conceive or carry a, a, a child to full term. The pain of childbirth in and of itself, John 16, 21. Whenever a woman is in labor, she's in pain. The truth is, to be a mother is a call to suffer. Not just at the beginning of life, but all throughout it. Simeon says to Mary, Jesus' mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed and his sword will pierce even your own soul. Mothers suffer when their children are born. Mothers suffer when children leave them, run away, move out, grow up. Mothers suffer when their children die. Mothers suffer when their children are foolish and selfish and sinful. A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish son is a grief to his mother. Proverbs 10, verse 1. I tell you, another layer of suffering that is regular in my home, as it appears regularly in this last season, foster mothers suffer when a child that they have loved like their own is moved out of the home. And I could go on and on without, with those lists. To be a mother is a call to suffer. But to suffer for what? It's not a call to suffer for nothing, but instead the perfect sovereign rule and purpose of God. Godly women stand on the sovereign rule and will of God in their suffering. They rest their souls on the firm and omnipotent hand of the faithful creator. They cast out fear and hope in God. And so they prove to be daughters of Sarah and heirs according to God's perfect promise. I said it during midweek this week when teaching on the role of the husband and wife. Proverbs 31, 25, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. A godly woman walks confidently not in herself or in her circumstances, but in her God. She laughs at the time to come because she knows and trusts the one who ultimately controls the time to come. Amen? She trusts in the sovereignty of God and rests in him. Sarah considered him faithful who had promised. God's promise 
is life eternal. It's redemption. It's a renewed heart. It's a restored relationship with the King of Kings for those who have put their faith in Jesus alone for salvation. I've sat with many of you who are going through true suffering, true hardship. But what is so awesome is that so many of you in real faith in God are facing it like you've never faced it before. Christ is at work in your lives. He is your power. He is your hope. And provides you the ability to trust in Him, not begrudgingly, but joyfully. I praise God for these victories. May they continue in many more of you as you grow in Christ. If you are here today and, have, and do not know Jesus as Savior and Lord, if you have not trusted Him with your life, that He is not your Lord of your life, everything about who He is, what He calls you to do, you belong to Him. Repent and believe in Jesus alone and be saved. Know what it is to have hope that is not fleeting, but is lasting because it's fixed in the everlasting God. Know what it is to face hurts and trials and to get to draw near to Christ and to His church and to not have to go at it alone. May we hope in God. May we, may we wait on Him and may His perfect will be done. For we can be confident he will hold us fast until he comes to take us home. Amen? Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this hour, this time to together in your holy word, this wonderful, ordained testimony of Sarah, the, the, the blessing of the holy scriptures to study, I thank you just for the priority of, of these families, these individuals on this day to start their week, to start their day making much of you, to consider Jesus in every way, be saved and sanctified by him. Let these truths move us unto action, move us unto sanctification. May, may life come to that which is dead. N new Hope emerge from the truths of the word and the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Work of Christ on our behalf for your glory and our good. And we know that you will hold us fast until the very end, until eternity, by which we get to praise you in your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray.